Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey guys, Kevin Cruz here. Welcome to the LeadX Leadership Show, where we help you to stand out and to get ahead at work. Now, as you know, we like to switch things up here, keep it interesting, and to continue that tradition, today on the podcast, instead of me interviewing an expert guest, we're going to have the guest deep dive into their topic. You see, you'll be hearing audio from a LeadX webinar. Now, of course, there are dozens of great webinars on leadership, management, communication, productivity, and more, all archived in the LeadX app. Just visit leadx.org for more information about our webinar archive. So enough on the setup, enough background information. Here is Vanya Mathis to introduce our guest and to hand it over to them. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the webinar today. Uh, we have a special guest for you, Dr. Steven Rogelberg. He is the professor of organizational psychology and management at UNC Charlotte. He's going to teach you today uh, how to be more effective and elicit more innovation out of your team members and meetings. Please welcome Dr. Steven Rogelberg to discuss his new book, The Surprising Science of Meetings, How to Lead Your Team to Peak Performance. Well, it is terrific to be here. I'm extremely excited to talk to you about my new book, The Surprising Science of Meetings. I'm also so grateful that the Washington Post just named it the number one leadership book to watch for in 2019. It's amazing that a book about meetings and the science of meetings um, emerged so high on their list. Um, what we're gonna do is for the next 20 minutes, I'm gonna give you a taste of this book. And it's gonna start with sharing some background on meetings and meeting science. And this sets the stage for uh, discussion of some implications for organizations and some implications for you as a leader. Because one thing we all have in common is that we do lead meetings at times. All right, so let's jump into some science. Amazingly, there are around 55 million meetings every day, and that's just in the United States. Uh, you look at professionals' calendars and you see on average around 15 meetings a week, but as you move up the hierarchy, the number of meetings just gets larger and larger and larger. We've found people in our research with upwards of 40, 45 hours of meetings. Um, so they're basically living in meetings. Now, we have tons of these things, and at the same time, it's clear that there's a tremendous amount of frustration. In fact, a study by salary.com found that too many meetings was considered the number one time waster. So when you think about this juxtaposition, tons of meetings, tons of frustrations, well, you could say that we are living and dying in meetings. But I don't see it that way. I see this as a tremendous opportunity, right? When you have something that people are doing a lot, but are very frustrated about, uh, well, this is a sweet spot that we can really make a positive effect. And that's what my book is really all about. It's about trying to take the science I've been doing for the last 15, 20 years, and the science that others have done, and create an evidence-based um, collection of thoughts that can hopefully and meaningfully move the dial on 
fixing and addressing the needing problem. So can research provide some insights? Well, absolutely. And let me start to give you a feel for this. Um, there's research, for example, that compares standing up meetings to sitting down meetings. Interestingly, the same quality results from both types of meeting formats. However, standing up meetings take half as much time. Intriguing. There's research on meeting satisfaction because lo and behold, there is someone consistently satisfied with their meetings. And that's the individual leading the meeting. Research on lateness to meetings. Uh, yeah, lateness causes great deals of frustration um, and it actually affects how the meetings occur. Um, people in meetings that start late uh, tend to interrupt each other more, tend to have more side conversations, but still there's one thing worse than starting late and that's ending late. Uh, that's even more frustrating for individuals. Silence. Silence in meetings can actually be leveraged for all kinds of positive things. Um, if you ask people to brainstorm ideas in silence, just writing ideas on paper ver as opposed to just vocalizing, well, silent brainstorming yields many more ideas and those ideas have been um, identified as being more creative and higher quality. Okay, let me share some other work just to kind of set the stage. Um, I did some early research looking at the effects of having lots of meetings um, on employees. And I had employees keep a diary over an extended period of time. And at the end of each day, they indicated how many meetings they had and kind of how they felt about that workday. And to no surprise, the more meetings individuals had in a workday, they reported greater fatigue at the end of the day. And not only more fatigue, but they also felt like they had yet more work to do. Well, this is kind of interesting, right? You're hoping that meetings are accomplishing work so that they would feel like, okay, I got things done, but we actually don't see that. However, higher quality meetings help to mitigate the negative effects of having too many, too many meetings. So that's a real encouraging sign. I also did a study examining the relationship between meeting satisfaction and job satisfaction. And this was involving over a thousand employees um, across a variety of different industries. And what we found was that one of the most robust predictors of an individual's job satisfaction was their experiences in meetings. And this was even after statistically controlling for their feelings towards their supervisor, towards their peers. There's just something unique about meetings. Um, so that's very telling. And one final study to help set the stage. In this study, we examine the relationship between leaders' behaviors in meetings and employee engagement. Now, we know employee engagement is critical to organizations, right? And engagement's related to performance, uh, turnover, helping of others, teamwork, all kinds of positive outcomes. And we examined employees, um, they evaluated their leader, and then they reported their engagement at a different time period. And what we found is that meetings can actually improve employee engagement. That when supervisors were judicious in their calling of meetings, making sure that they were truly relevant to the attendees, when leaders carefully managed the time in meetings, 
starting on time, ending on time. But most importantly, when leaders created an environment where there was true freedom of speech, well, it resulted apparently in higher employee engagement, which is an incredibly important and powerful outcome. So when you put this all together and you have to come up with two words to kind of summarize this set of findings, well, those two words are meetings matter. They truly, truly matter. Meetings done wrong have all kinds of negative effects from wasted money, wasted time, disengagement, and even meeting recovery syndrome, which is when we have a bad meeting, we don't necessarily shed it right away. It sticks on us. But meetings done right are major opportunities for inclusion, innovation, engagement, and return on investment. So who's responsible for meeting improvement? Well, each of us, we all can find some meetings that we run. So each of us has our own responsibility to make meetings better, but also the organization through the systems it has. So while my book discusses a number of organizational systems, let me share with you one. The most successful organizations measure and track how things are going with meetings. They use their engagement surveys or pulse surveys to monitor, are, is their meeting investment paying off? And in this slide, for those of you who are watching this, I've included some meeting metrics dashboards that I created for an organization. And you can see from, you can provide metrics for each department, not only how meetings are going, but what's amazing about meetings is that you can actually cost it. Because meetings have real costs when you think about time and the salaries of those various peoples, people attending. And these dashboards are even more important given the blind spot we spoke about earlier, where meeting leaders tend to exaggerate their reactions to the immediate meeting experience. But let's be sure that we spend some time talking about what each of us can do um, to make our meetings better. What I'd like to do is share with you a quick five. Um, these are five uh, strategies that um, are, are based in evidence that can have a tremendously positive effect. Most importantly, it starts with the steward mindset. That when a leader truly embraces the idea that they are a steward of others' time, well, they will fundamentally make different decisions throughout the meeting. They will think carefully about the process. They will think carefully about who to invite. They won't just dial it in. So having a steward of others time mindset is critical to making good choices. More tactically, we know that we wanna make meetings as small as reasonable and possible because as meeting size increases, dysfunction increases with it. In fact, something called social loafing increases as well. And this is the idea that as the size expands, people start to hide in the background and don't bring the full, their full selves forward. So we wanna to try to keep size down as much as possible so we can consider inviting people for part of the meeting, but not holding them captive for all. So if it's the case that Jane and Sasha and Gordon are only relevant for one piece of it, 
Well, you can use a timed agenda to let them attend for that piece, and then they can excuse themselves and move on to their other activities. We can also consider having core members versus secondary members. Interestingly, while people are incredibly frustrated by meetings, one of the things that concerns them is not being invited to a meeting, right? When you're not invited, you get worried that maybe you're not important. So the task then for a leader is to identify individuals who aren't necessarily necessary for the meeting, but still would like to feel connected to it in some way. Well, if you go to those individuals, explain to them what the meeting is about, and this could be done via email, and you provide them with an opportunity to maybe make some comments about some of the agenda items, and you assure them that you will bring those points up, and then you also agree to share with them the minutes at the end and inform them that they can change their mind at any point, at any point and attend future meetings, well, people are much more willing to opt out. As a result, the meeting could be much leaner, but you're not, feeling, you're not creating feelings of exclusion. Go for, number three, go for the shortest time reasonable, given the goals. Don't just default to one hour, because that's the time, that's a default setting on most um, PC or Mac-based um, computers. Outlook, Google Calendar. Um, remember Parkinson's Law. And this is the notion that work expands to whatever time is allotted to it. So if a meeting is scheduled for an hour, lo and behold, it takes an hour. But we don't have to make it an hour. We can make it much shorter. And interestingly, we know from psychological research that humans seem to do very well or perform optimally with some level of pressure, not too much pressure. So once you think through the time needed for the task at hand, consider dialing it back five to 10 minutes to kind of create a greater sense of urgency. Number four, be unconventional at times. Don't just do the same things all the time in the meetings you run. Try dyadic work. Get people in pairs talking about a, a, a topic, brainstorming ideas, and then have those pairs come forward. Um, leverage some of the polling and clicking software that's available now. Um, where people can vote on various options on a screen, they can brainstorm via the phones, and basically it allows for more anonymous um, just, uh, forwarding of ideas and voting on various options to truly know whether you have consensus. Um, sometimes it's even interesting to assign seats. People tend to sit in the exact same places time in and time out. Well, that affects how conversation flows. So we can move people around. We can even play with one of the greatest predictors of meeting satisfaction, which is food. Occasionally, we can have food at meetings. I don't mean all the time, but occasionally. It's not because people are hungry, but food does communicate that you care and that you want to, and it serves to help create separation from what was being done previously to now being in the meeting, which leads to the final piece of advice. Start a meeting well. Recognize that when you have a meeting, you're basically interrupting someone from their previous task. So as a result, when you kind of, you take on the role of a host and you welcome people when they arrive and you're positive and you help make introductions to others, you know, really internalizing this role of host and steward, well, it allows the meeting to start in a much more positive way. So that's my quick five. 
Now, unfortunately, we have limited time today, and there are a host, there's so many, I think, interesting and fun topics to talk about, um, other organizational practices, virtual meetings, um, new ideas for agendas, and how to facilitate, and how to close meetings, alternative meeting structures like huddles, multitasking, creativity, evaluation, um, but we, we're not gonna be able to get into it now. But my website, thesurprisingscience.com, has information about these topics and my book, which definitely gets into them um, pretty deeply. So, meetings matter. Um, making positive changes can have tremendous effects on individuals, on teams, and the organization. And what's so exciting is making meetings even 20% better. Given how many of these meetings you have, well, the incremental gains across time and across people will be tremendous. And while we can't control everyone's meetings, we can control our meetings and we could be the example and the light for others. I hope you enjoyed this uh, taste of the surprising science. Um, again, I encourage you to visit my website thesurprisingscience.com, um, again, thesurprisingscience.com, and tremendously grateful that you listened, and also, once again, tremendously grateful for the Washington Post for naming it the number one leadership book to watch for 2019. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, reach out any point with any questions that you may, you may have. Thank you. Friends, if you like this episode of the LeadX Leadership Podcast, please take a minute, leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Ratings are invaluable for attracting new listeners. And I like to convert those listeners into leaders because you know I'm on a mission to spark 100 million leaders in the next 10 years. And if you want to become the boss everyone fights to work for and nobody wants to leave, check out the LeadX platform with Coach Amanda at leadx.org. And if you have 10 or more managers who could use some binge-worthy training, send me an email at info at leadx.org, L-E-A-D-X dot O-R-G, and we'll talk about getting you set up with a totally free pilot for those managers. See if they like it. If they don't, that's fine. We go away. Part as friends. But if they love it, you've just found yourself a new resource for them. Remember, leadership is influence. You're always leading. How are you going to lead today?